Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to 11, and 30-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of three books, The Unhurried Homeschooler, Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, and The Four-Hour School Day. You can find all three of those books on Amazon or at my website, DorendaWilson.com. I'll leave a link in the show notes. But exciting news coming out this next Tuesday, March 5th, just a few days away, Raising Boys to Men is finally launching. So if you purchase a book, this particular book, on March 5th or 6th, you will receive free access to the Unhurried Homeschooler audiobook, which was an it, it's an $8.99 value. So Raising Boys to Men is $11.99. You'll get an additional $8.99 value um, by getting free access to the audiobook, again, if you purchase March 5th or 6th. So here's how it works. I will leave a link in the show notes to redeem your audiobook, but it won't actually work until March 5th. So you have to know that for sure. If you really feel like you need a reminder, just subscribe to my email list because I'm gonna make sure all my subscribers know and are reminded regularly for um, that first part of next week to go ahead and purchase their books so they can get their free audiobook. So I hope um, if you need a reminder, you will do that. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Um, also, if you subscribe to my email list, you're also gonna get a free um, free access to Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is a devotional that I wrote specifically for homeschooling moms. So make sure that you do that. Also, if you're enjoying this podcast, it would help so much if you would leave a rating or a review. In addition to that, I am speaking in five places this year during the conference season, and I would love to see you there. I'll leave a link in the show notes as to where I'm going to be speaking this year. Um, because again, I would love to meet you in person. If you have a teen, I've got an exciting opportunity that I'm going to share after the prayer at the end of this episode. In the meantime, you know I love to share valuable resources with you. And so one of those resources that I regularly share because I firmly believe in them is Heritage Defense. Because legal encounters with child protective services are not just limited to school-age children or toddlers. My own family's situation actually involved a newborn who ended up in the hospital. Laws regarding newborn health procedure and medical opinions can sometimes clash with parental rights. Heritage Defense has represented many Christian homeschool families in these kinds of situations. So if you intend to homeschool, but you only have very young children or even just expecting your first, I encourage you to sign up with Heritage Defense. Membership benefits include a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week hotline to a Christian attorney full legal representation from the initial contact all the way to court if needed, and legal consultations at no additional cost. So all of this is just 19 bucks a month or $190 for the year. You can learn more in the show notes. I'll leave a link there. Be sure to share this with any young parents who also might benefit from membership. Again, I'll leave a link in the show notes for you as well as the story um, that uh, we recorded on an episode um, we we recorded the story of our CPS uh, experience. It was it was pretty harrowing. So I'll leave that in the show notes as well. Now today we're going to be answering the question of whether or not it's really that big of a deal that our kids obey us. 
So before we do that, I need to share a math resource that you might want to check out. Um, you know, every parent's mission is to equip their child with the best resources. And when it comes to math, CTC math is the CTC math is the beacon that lights up this path. Its dynamic approach makes it an invaluable tool for both homeschooling families and those seeking supplementary guidance. With questions, um, excuse me, lessons <laughs> that capture attention and ignite curiosity, it has transformed many a reluctant learner into a math enthusiast. Grace, a dedicated mother, shared this, witnessing my daughter's newfound enthusiasm and confidence in math has been nothing short of a revelation. So I encourage you mom, step into this world of enriched learning at ctcmath.com. I will leave a link in the show notes to that as well. So often when I'm struggling with or praying over what to talk about on the podcast, God reminds me to go back to the basics. You know, there are so many parenting topics and homeschooling topics out there um, that a parent can listen to or read about that can make it easy to forget the basics of biblical parenting. Um, isn't it just like the enemy to want to distract us from what is actually really important. So today I wanted to talk about obedience. We live in a culture that doesn't require obedience from kids. Obedience is often considered oppressive and demeaning. What we end up with though are unruly, demanding children that no one enjoys. And then we wonder why no one wants kids or sees them as a blessing like God says they are. It's actually a perfect deception to prevent even Christian families from having more kids. So as our kids were growing up, um, they were not perfect, but we did try to consistently deal with their obedience or disobedience and um, tried to have really good boundaries that we kept really clear for them. And what I saw happen over the years was just so amazing and such a good um it was a really actually a great way to encourage us along the way. What ended up happening is, you know, people would often comment on how obedient our children were. Not just, they wouldn't use those terms, but they would just say, oh my gosh, you have such great kids. And they would say things like, oh, I would have had more if mine were that well-behaved. Well, you know what? That didn't just happen. That required something of my husband and me. It required work. It required consistency. It required going back to what does God say about our relationship with our children? What is this supposed to look like? We all want to have a good relationship with our kids, but I honestly don't think we can have the healthiest relationship with our kids if we are not disciplining them and requiring obedience of them. They do not respect us because in their little gut, they know that I feel like they know that things are out of order when we don't require obedience from them. Unfortunately, the, the culture is constantly telling us something different. And um, so uh, the story I was telling earlier uh, about our kids and the responses that we would get uh, from their obedience and their good behavior, um, I, I do wanna say that I firmly believe that when children are obeying their parents and their, you know, their kids that are are not looking like the rest of the world kids, okay? When that happens, that is that gets people's attention. 
It is actually a way to be salt and light to the world through our obedience to God within the four walls of our homes. Obedient children are a reflection of the gospel because they are a reflection of an example of God's redemptive power at work through the obedience of his people. So as the parents are obeying God by requiring obedience from their children, we're seeing God's power at work through obedience. We know that God says throughout scripture that he blesses obedience. So our obedience, even though it's not perfect, it is still very acceptable to God and pleasing to him because God has because Jesus has perfected that work. So God sees it as perfect. Of course we give our all. Of course we do our best. More often than not is going to fall short, but that's not the point. The point is the obedience itself. And so I think this is so important for us to get straightened out in our minds and understanding that this isn't just about telling our kids what to do and having them, you know, do what we tell them to do. It's not, it's not that. It's so much more than that. It's about walking in obedience to God and his plan for the world. It's about reflecting his redemptive power at work through obedience. It's about exampling God's wonderful, perfect, good plan for how families should function. One of the examples I want to give you is um, my hairdresser cuts my hair, my son's hair, but she also cuts my daughter's hair and um, all four of her kids. Almost every time I go in to see her, she tells me how amazed she is at how well-behaved my grandkids are and how good my daughter is with those kids. Well, you know what? That didn't just happen. She had to work at that. Her husband had to work at that. They both had to train their children to do what's right. Now, one of the things that they do, and this can be super helpful when you're teaching your kids obedience. One of the things that they always do is something like this. They're going to get the haircut. It's been weeks and weeks since they've been there, right? So the kids have forgotten what are the do's and the don'ts. They easily could have forgotten, especially if they're younger. So she goes over it. Okay, we're going to the hairdresser. What are we supposed to do? What are we not supposed to do? And, um, and, and they hone in on that. They know their mama's going to follow through if there's a problem and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing or they're doing things they're not supposed to be doing. And they know that they have that confidence. So they have that self-regulation and they have that kind of self-control. Now the hairdresser tells me they are very different than pretty much every other kid that comes into her shop. She's, she just told me just horrific stories. And I do realize that some children are more difficult than others. Um, our youngest was one that felt like he had to touch everything. I had to be right there with him to teach him that that was not okay. Um, and it can be a lot more work and all of that, but that is our job as parents. We're not we're not shooting for perfection here. We are shooting for progress because our kids are in training. So how we need... What we need to understand is that when we see obedience as optional, we miss out on so many blessings that God has for us and our kids, including preparing them for life as a believer. And I'll get into that here in just a minute. So the short answer to, is it really that important that our kids obey us, is yes. Absolutely, it is that important. And so let's talk about why. Let's talk about what it looks like. So we're going to start, first of all, 
at a very basic level. So in the Old Testament, in Exodus and Deuteronomy, it says, as part of the Ten Commandments that we know has not been eliminated, it is still on our radar, only we live it out with the help of Jesus Christ's uh, redemptive blood and the Holy Spirit. Um, But it says, honor your father and your mother. Okay, that is just a given, okay? In the New Testament, it says, children, obey your parents. This is in Ephesians 6, verses one through four. Children, this is God's instruction to children. Can I just give you a little bit of a preface to this? In this particular book, right before, it's either right before or right after, Paul talks about spiritual warfare, And then he immediately goes into the roles of husband and wife and children. And I believe there's a reason for that because some of the greatest spiritual battles we fight and face are within the four walls of our homes. Are we going to obey God or are we going to go our own way? Are we going to let God and his word inform what's happening in our homes or are we going to have... um, Are we going to allow the world to inform our view? Okay, so here's what it says. Very, very clear. God doesn't give a lot of instructions to children in scripture, but when he does, it's very direct. And this is one of those places. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And then it goes on to say, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So when I talk about obedience and discipline, I'm talking about biblical obedience, biblical discipline, biblical instruction. And what that means is we are not going to react we are going to respond to our children's obedience or disobedience, okay? So um, that is really an, a really important thing to remember. The other thing I wanna pull out of this passage, um, it notice how it notes that it's the first commandment with a promise. So there's a blessing that comes for our children when they honor their father and mother, okay? So when we're teaching them to obey, we are teaching them how to receive blessing from the Lord in their lives, okay? And then it goes on to say that it may go well with them and they may live long in the land. So there's a lot of benefits for adults who have obeyed godly parents. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Obviously, if a parent is asking a child to sin, that's a big fat no. A child is not required to um, obey a parent if they're asking them to sin or if they even wonder if the parent is asking them to sin, you know? So I think that's something to really take note of because we're not talking about just 100% blind obedience, okay? Although in the early years, it kind of is that because they don't have a sense of what's right and wrong. We're still teaching them that. But what we don't wanna do is teach them blind obedience to any quote unquote authority out there. And that's a whole other topic. Right now I wanna focus on why it's important that our kids obey us, all right? So I've covered in the Old Testament, 
where it mentions it and in the New Testament. So we know this hasn't gone away. This hasn't changed. Nothing's shifted in terms of what's expected from our children. Um, The other thing we have to remember is that obedience is a central part of the Christian faith. So when we are teaching our kids obedience, we are preparing them for a life of faith. We are preparing them, we're showing them what does it look like to trust in this authority over my life, which is my parents right now, to trust them, even when I don't always understand why they're asking me to do something. Our kids don't always have to understand why. Now, there are times in our parenting when it's a good idea to explain the why, but it's not always necessary 100% of the time. So obedience is a central part of the Christian faith. Part of preparing our children for a life of faith in Christ is for them to learn obedience. And that starts at home while we're raising them, okay? If obedience is negotiable, negotiable or optional, we are not teaching our kids that it is important. And that is the opposite of what the Bible teaches. At that point, we are actually living out a worldly perspective, not a biblical one. So we look at scripture and this amazes me. In Philippians 2.8, it says, Jesus himself was obedient unto death, even death on a cross. For Christians, the act of taking up our cross and following Christ, um, Matthew 16, 24, means obedience. The Bible says that we show our love for Jesus by obeying him in all things. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So a Christian who is not obeying Christ's commands can rightly be asked from Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So um, I love that little bit of information and I'm gonna go on and talk about what obedience is. And some of this I pulled from an article on basically obedience. What is Christian obedience or biblical obedience? And I'll leave that link in the show notes if you wanna read more. But let's talk about what obedience is. Obedience is defined as dutiful or submissive compliance to the commands of one in authority. So let's break that down a little bit. Dutiful means it's our obligation to obey God. This is part of our duty. So our children obeying us is part of their duty as a child. Same exact thing. It's, It's like this pattern of, you know, it's a parallel really. Dutiful means it is our obligation to obey God. It's also our children's duty to obey us. Um, So our obligation to obey God, just as Jesus fulfilled his duty to the Father by dying on the cross for our sin. And then when it talks about submissive compliance, submissive indicates that we yield our wills to God's. And commands speaks of the scriptures in which God has clearly given his instructions. The one in authority is God himself, whose authority is total and unequivocal. For the Christian, obedience means complying with everything God has commanded. It is our duty to do so. So part of training our children in the faith is teaching them obedience. Now, you may even find yourself bristling at these words because our culture does not want to submit or yield or obey yield to or obey anyone but themselves. Um, We are surrounded by that influence day in and day out. And so we have to be vigilant as believers in continually letting God's word inform our view of 
of obedience. So let's talk about why obedience is important. Um, I think we did talk about that, right? <laughs> it's important. Again, I'll just repeat it again because I think it bears repeating. Obedience is a central part of the Christian faith. Part of preparing our children for a life of faith in Christ is for them to learn obedience, and that starts at home while we're raising them. If obedience is negotiable or optional, we are not teaching our kids that it is important. And that is the opposite of what the Bible teaches, and we don't want to do that. So let's talk about what it looks like, just sort of the practical aspect. Um, I believe that if a child is hesitant for more than even five seconds, that that is not obedience. So I want to clarify something here though. So hear me out. This does not mean that we have to immediately be harsh because sometimes there are variables we're not aware of. So I'm going to mention those variables. They are not excuses and we need to be careful that we're not giving too much leeway more than we should. But also we want to be gracious and understand there could be some variables in the equation. It's possible they didn't hear us. Their minds were somewhere else. Maybe we asked them to do something while they were doing something else and they didn't quite switch gears in time. So they might not have heard us. They might struggle with auditory processing and it might take them a little more time to get what you're saying. Um, Maybe we used too many words, specifically with our boys. I talk about that in my book, Raising Boys to Men. So if we use too many words, the directive isn't clear. They got lost in the verbiage. So we need to be... um, aware that that's a possibility as all as well. Um, they may know something that we don't know that changes what we're asking them to do. For example, maybe their dad just a few minutes ago told them to do something completely different and we were unaware. So what we want to do is encourage respectful communication. So when they tell us, they're not going to argue with us and say, I can't do that. I can't do that. I will say my son that has auditory processing issues struggles with getting stressed in those situations and he would say something like that, which doesn't go over real well. So trying to train them to say, okay, let's back up and try that again. You need to say that respectfully. What's going on? Did Is there something I don't know about? And let them explain to you, yeah, dad told me to do this, but you're telling me to do this and now I don't know what to do. Okay. So get to the bottom of it because that is a possibility. Um, but there's a solution to all of it. The solution is to ask the question, if you're, if you're having a trouble with a child who delays obedience, who, you know, um, you know, maybe you wonder if they're hearing you right, the solution is always this. Ask them after you've given them the directive, what did I just say? And have them repeat it back to you. Then you know beyond a shadow of a doubt whether they heard you or not and what they heard. And then if they don't do it, you have clear, you know, you have a clear path to discipline and take care of that. So again, they don't always have to understand in the moment why we are asking them to do what we're asking them to do. You know, just like we have to trust God as adults, our kids need to trust us in our relationships. So one example of that, that I think is really, we probably all heard it. It's teaching your children to say, Uh, or teaching your children that when you say their name, um, Silas stop, that he immediately stops in his tracks because he could be running into some sort of danger, not realizing he's out in the street, not realizing there's a dangerous, maybe there's a snake on the ground or, you know. So I think it's important for our kids to 
know how to do that, which means we're going to have to have training sessions where we're like, okay, we're going to play a game, but it's really important that you learn this because we could be in a parking lot and maybe they're not seeing a car backing out. So that's not a pl- that's not a time or place where we want them asking us why. So if they're in the habit of always asking us why about everything, it could actually harm them. So so we're going to do a little training session and we're going to say, okay, I just want you to go ahead and walk. And when I say, Silas, stop, stop right in your tracks and do that five or 10 times and maybe even practice it the next time you're in a parking lot, just randomly, sporadically to make sure they haven't forgotten that when they hear your, you say that, that they stop immediately. Um, so I, I believe that the appropriate, at least at our house, this is how, what I called the appropriate response. When I gave a directive, um, uh, Sam, I want you to go, I want you to take this bag of garbage out to the garbage can. The response needed to be, okay, mom. Not, why do I have to do that? Oh, can I do that after a while? Or, you know, negotiating, bargaining, none of that. The obedient response is, okay, mom. So often what I would do is say, you want to try that again? And um, one of the things that, again, this might require a training session where you're giving directives very regularly. Okay, I want you to take that spoon and put it in the dishwasher. Okay, mom. All right, now I want you to take that pan and put it in the pan drawer. Okay, mom. And then they do it. So we're going to do this five, 10, 15 times. And we're explaining to them, I want, I'm giving you a chance to practice obeying mom so that when I ask you to do things, that basically their response is pretty much always um, the rule is that they say, okay, mom. There's going to be an exception every now and then that's acceptable. But our kids easily go back over into that arguing, negotiating thing with us. We need to be watching for that because that is not obedience. So let's talk about what obedience does not look like, okay? It doesn't look like counting. Silas, come here. One, two, all I'm doing is training him to only come after I count. What do I really want? I want him to come right away. So in order for that to happen, I can't make counting part of that picture because like I said, I'm training him either way. I'm training him to come on three or I'm training him to come when I say Silas, come. Okay, so it doesn't look like counting. It doesn't look like repeating yourself several times. It doesn't look like bargaining. It doesn't look like pleading, you know, like, please just obey me so I don't have to, you know, give you consequences. Um, It doesn't look like getting angry, reacting. It doesn't look like bribing. It doesn't look like letting them try to negotiate with us as a rule, not the exception. There are times that a respectful appeal is actually in, in order. So we need to be open to that, but not all the time. Um, what it doesn't look like are excuses from them, why they can't do what we're asking them to do. A long hesitation as a rule instead of the exception, not following through on consequences. That's, that's, it doesn't look like us not following through on consequences for disobedience. Consistency is key. This is training. We are training our children in obedience. I had a mom reach out to me recently whose kids, she's like, I, I feel like I've lost the heart of my kids. Like they, I asked them to do something and every single time they don't obey. They, they try to make excuses. They drag their feet. They try to negotiate. And so I just said, 
here's what I would do. The next time you ask them to do something and they start to drag their feet, negotiate, whatever it is they do, stop them and say, okay, when you're finished with that job, I want you to come back to me because I have another job for you. And we're gonna, and you're going to keep doing that until you get the okay mom and they go and do the task. I love the verses that I shared earlier about Jesus. Jesus learning obedience from the things he suffered in Hebrews 5.8. Jesus himself being obedient unto death, even death on a cross in Philippians 2.8. Moms, what are we? We are Christians. What are Christians? Christians are Christ followers. We are following his example and we are teaching our children to do the same. My question is, if Jesus learned obedience from the things he suffered and he was obedient unto death, even death on a cross, are we better than Jesus? Does he have to obey and we do not? We are not above obedience and neither are our children, but obedience requires humility. And pride is something we're all born with. Pride has to be addressed. Sin has to be addressed in our homes or everything will fall apart at the seams. So yes, obedience is important and should be prioritized in our daily rhythms. Is it always enjoyable or fun? I would say pretty much never. Ever. But Hebrews 12, 5 through 10 says this My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all of us have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of our spirits and live? For they disciplined us, meaning the earthly parents, for a short time as it seems best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later on, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Again, submission indicates that we yield our wills to God's. We give our kids the opportunity to be trained in obedience during childhood so that it's much easier and more second nature to practice it as an adult in their relationship with God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your kindness and your goodness to us. Thank you for the reminder today of how important obedience is. I pray that every mom listening would have a clear view of any shift or tweak that needs to be made in her daily rhythms with her kids to make sure that obedience is prioritized. Lord, I thank you for Deuteronomy 8.5 that says, think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. God, you discipline us for our own good. And even the act of disciplining our children is an, an act of obedience to you. So we are actually modeling for our kids what obedience looks like when we teach our children 
obedience. We are saying God is the highest authority in our home. He disciplines us for our good and we are disciplining you for your good. And so that our precious children would understand that discipline is good and that obedience is necessary and it is also good. And it brings blessings upon blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, for those of you with teens, I want to share um, a testimony from someone who attended Excel's summer leadership program. Her name was Victoria, and it was a huge, big leap of faith for her to attend. She knew she'd be challenged by the adventurous experiences and leadership training, but she'd actually made a commitment to say yes to new things. While at camp, she conquered fears and grew spiritually, intellectually, emotionally, and socially. She said, I've never met so many people with similar minds and goals as mine, several of whom I can now consider lifelong friends. In today's culture, it's becoming increasingly more difficult for teens to flourish as individuals, much less finding a community of people to flourish with. The XL Summer Leadership Camp is designed to help teens cultivate a life of flourishing within the context of community. Is your teen hungry for the adventure of a lifetime? Apply now at the XL College um, Camp. I will leave a link in the show notes and um, they will take $100 off the camp um, if you select Dorinda Wilson. So I'll leave a link in the show notes. Have a great day, moms. 